Hello and welcome to another episode of Basel Tov, the courage and creativity of ADHD. This is Jen. Hey, I'm Ellen. And I'm Annette. And we're here again today talking about all of our ADHD foibles. The logical next step to that is anxiety. And in fact, according to quite a few studies and an article by attitude.com, um, anxiety is actually the highest coexisting mental health issue alongside ADHD. And that even includes depression and other things. And it's, um, and substance, it's second only to substance abuse. So um, today we're just going to talk about how this ha- may or may not have affected us in our, tr- in our lives, because not everybody with ADHD is going to have anxiety, but, you know, a lot of us will. In fact, um, according to that Attitude article, I think it was about 23% of 25%. people with ADHD. Ha- 25%. I was very yeah. close. Uh, remembering numbers is not my forte. <laughs> yes. So, um, but with statistics with uh, ADHD with a co- comorbidity in uh, with anxiety, uh, roughly about a quarter of all people who have ADHD will suffer from anxiety, and that's against if you look at all of the anxiety disorders put together, adults without ADHD, about 19.5% of the population will experience any type of anxiety disorder. However, adults with ADHD are at 47.1%. So we are, yes, we are, we are much more likely to experience anxiety if you have ADHD. So, yeah, yeah. And I feel that because like just the uh, just the existence of ADHD in an, a normal everyday modern life scenario, that in itself could raise a bunch of anxiety because like you might forget your car keys. You might forget anything. You might overlook important details. You might accidentally insult somebody because you didn't really filter too well you might embarrass yourself in public. And I mean, I've done all of these things. <laughs> so <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's just, it's what we do and having to be politically correct constantly um, and having to be um, kind and, uh, you know, a well-rounded functioning put together adult is sometimes a little bit too much to ask of my neurology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just too much. But um, I mean, I think that since since some people do have anxiety along their ADHD and some people don't, you know, you listeners out there may be able to relate better to one of our stories more than the other. So for um, Annette, what how, how has anxiety affected your life as the hyperactive style of ADHD? <laughs> I don't understand a life that is not filled with anxiety, honestly. Like I, mm. I have chronic anxiety attacks. I uh, will wake up in the middle of the night thinking I'm having a heart attack or just suddenly, you know, for n- no reason known to myself, just start having, you know, breathing issues or feeling like my heart is skipping a beat. And I, you know, my, my father has heart problems. And so I'm always like, Oh my God, am I going to die or something? But, uh, I know what it is. So the, the nice thing is because I studied psychology and because I've, I've looked at a lot of these disorders, uh, in a clinical and, uh, educational sense, I know what's happening, but it doesn't change the experience of it happening. And so I'm, I'm a person with 30,000 things up in the air at one time. And I always, my life is constantly busy. I constantly have things going on. And so, uh, you know, but the anxiety isn't necessarily connected to that, which is the thing. It's, you know, if I have nothing going on and nothing in my life that's causing anxiety, uh, it's, I still have anxiety. So Hmm. Uh, okay. It's, it's kind of one of those things where you, I mean, I just have learned to function with it 
And Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go and get, you know, medication or get treatment for it. However, I live in Japan and, you know, mental health care is not great. And uh, so I I haven't Mm -hmm. done it. But at the same time, it's like, I know what's happening to me. So I know the breathing techniques, I know how to pull myself out of it. So it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say that when I'm in times of stress, in times that I'm more busy than normal and especially like uh with a heavy mental load like having to figure out uh like school schedules for the next year or something huge uh I tend to have more panic attack uh like Hmm. symptoms than uh just my typical anxiety and so like in those times I'll actually it, it messes with my sleep it messes with you know, my everyday rhythms. And so, uh, but in just in everyday life, you know, every once in a while, I just like sit there and go, Oh, I'm having a little bit of anxiety attack. Yay. And, you know, write it out <laughs> oh, and no. go through my day. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, for, for me, it's just kind of a normal part of life. Okay. So you just kind of get to the point where like you can kind of feel yourself get wound up and then if you get wound up enough you'll have a panic attack and then you'll just write it out and then go on with it yeah or just like sleeping (laughs) okay you have a panic attack and you're like great and then you just go back to sleep you know if you can yeah oh my goodness wow yeah okay so like I'm trying to wrap my my brain around that here because like I <laughs> I have anxiety for sure. But it's situational. It's not an all time all the time every day all day kind of thing. It's not a mode for me. Um so <laughs> the way that the way that it could happen is well pretty much it could happen in any combination throughout my day. Like maybe something will pop up suddenly that I wasn't aware of before and it changes my daily schedule really abruptly. And then I have to worry about like, oh my gosh, am I prepared for this? Oh my gosh, am I going to overlook something important? You know, all the kind of things that that people with ADHD normally worry about, but because something has popped up that was, that's unexpected, you have to like cram all your worries into a short period of time or something like that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But you, Um, you used a, you used a very key word there because the word you used was worry. And worry and anxiety are not necessarily the same thing. Okay. So what separates a worry from an, from anxiety then? Well, everybody has worries, right? Everybody is okay. like, did I shut the garage door or something? Anxiety mm-hmm. is when you're like, I, I, I think I forgot to shut the garage door. Oh my God, somebody's going to break into my house. And then it's going to be, everything's going to be gone and, it's going to be like, and your, your, your heartbeat speeds up and your breathing speeds up and your that's an anxiety. Hmm. Oh, so you're having so, a physiological response to the thoughts that are happening in your head, the worries that are going on okay. in your head. Okay. I that's do have when you, that happen. Yeah. That's when you have anxiety. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just to clarify. So, yeah. Just to clarify. So, um, but I, some of that, I just kind of always call worry. <laughs> I think it's because I'm a little too familiar with it. Um, so for me, it's a worry. Whereas for somebody else, it's like maybe feels more panicky, I guess. But, um, you know, so, I'll, you know, you think about the possibilities, like you were saying, of what could happen if you don't have all of your ducks in a row. Um, so, you know, stuff like that could trigger it or, you know, maybe I'll just feel trapped in a situation where I don't know, like I can't figure out a way out or a solution at that time. And it really messes with me for a minute. Um, for me, panic attacks are not a daily thing. They're not a weekly thing. They're not a monthly thing. And sometimes they're not even a yearly thing. <laughs> so like I can count probably on one hand how many panic attacks I've had. And they've been bad enough that they have like generated chest pain so bad that I've gone to the ER thinking that I had a heart problem. So it's, I, you know, it's since it's not 
constant and all the time, and it seems to boil over and get to some huge explosion point. Um, you know, I don't feel like I know I can recognize the anxiety anymore, except it's an, it's a panic attack by then. And, um, actually Annette, you were with me for the very first panic attack I ever had back at an apartment where I was like, Oh my God, my chest, I think I have to go to the hospital. And you're like, you're having a panic attack. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, no, this, but you don't understand. And you're just like, yeah, I do. You're having a panic attack. I still remember that. <laughs> yep. And I was right. <laughs> and you were right. It was a panic attack. And yeah. so were the handful of other ones that have followed. <laughs> I, I do want to put in this little um, uh, public, public awareness statement to say that yes. a lot of women are told that, uh, they're having a panic attack or there's, you know, they're just having uh, psychological symptoms when uh, some of the symptoms of a heart attack are similar to those of a panic attack. So if you are ever in doubt as to whether it's a panic attack or is something different, I, even if, a physician tells you or scolds you and just says, Oh, you're just having a panic attack. Just go get it checked out. Cause you never know. And women's yeah. women's heart attack symptoms are very different. We are all, all three of us, we are now 40 years old. Yeah. And yeah. this is, this, this is something that women, as we get older, we need to be aware of. And, you know, if you have even the slightest doubt, just go, to your doctor, go to the ER, go where you need to and get it checked out because that will also just having those symptoms will also create its own anxiety. So just get it checked out. It's, it's good either way. And don't listen to anybody who tells you that you shouldn't just, Mm -hmm. if in doubt, go to the doctor, it will might possibly save your life. Yes. That's good. You know what? Um, Amber, our friend, um, who's a cardiac ICU nurse, is always saying the same thing because women's heart symptoms are so much different and they're often overlooked. We should have her on here one day we <laughs> just to talk about anxiety and the difference between a panic attack and a and like an oncoming heart problem. Yeah. So, yeah, she'd be, a good, maybe, she'd be a good resource. Yeah, she would. Putting that out in the universe for later. We'll see yeah. if it we'll see if it can happen. Um, but yeah, so Ellen, um, so we've heard from Annette, she's the hyperactive one with the most anxiety, shocker. Um, (laughs) then we've heard from me, who's just once again, the eternal fence sitter of, oh yeah, I have it sometimes, but you know, here I am half and half. And then here's Ellen, who's the, you know, primarily inattentive ADHD type. And how does anxiety affect you? Yeah, so I actually had to sit and think hard about <laughs> how anxiety manifests in my life because, you know, I, I feel like just with the way my brain is, it's really good at avoiding anxiety. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I definitely lean more on the depression end of things. Uh, you know, I, I, I can think of times in my life when I've experienced anxiety, you know, when I have worried about something, you know, you're... I mean, but like you guys were saying, some of those are probably worries. Also, if, you know, everyone, everyone worries when they think they might miss their flight, you know, if they're running late to the airport, that sort of thing. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, I, what I'm, what I'm seeing is that it sounds like you two do a lot of thinking about what, what's going to happen or, you know, what did happen. And uh, I, my brain's pretty quiet a lot of the time. <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, it doesn't really bug me a lot about, you know, you should do that thing. I wish it would sometimes, uh, but I, I don't really like think about a lot of things. I'm just, I, I mostly am just kind of focused on what's happening at the moment. And if something goes wrong for me, you know, uh, this could be the depression talking, but a lot of times I'm just like, it's fine. You know, Hmm. is that apathy or is that just me giving myself grace for situations? You know, that's something I'm kind of trying to pick apart and dissect and 
figure out myself, you know, like because there's there are situations where I probably should be having some anxiety about and worried about, but I'm not I'm not worried about it, you know. I'm like everything's uh just gonna be easy peasy. I I've uh kind of an internal optimist in life and so yeah, that's that's kind of my experience with anxiety. It's um, thankfully not a huge part of me, but, you know, I could probably use a little more of it sometimes. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. Sometimes anxiety can drive us to do beneficial things because all of our emotions are basically messages from our subconscious or different parts of our body saying, hey, uh, something's not happening right. Hey, a need is not being met. Um, and we often don't slow down enough to try to identify what that is. Yeah, but there's mm -hmm. also a lot of problem with the, I think what Ellen said about thinking and overthinking. Uh, hmm. I know I personally, I tend to be the overthinker. I'm, I'm always like, okay, well, if this happens, then this, and then this, and then this, but if this happens, then this and this, and my brain is going in 20 different directions. And it's like, in that, I can't make a decision as to what my next step is going to be because I'm so locked into all the possibilities that are causing me anxiety that I, I feel like I'm just like in a hot spring of anxiety and just like chilling. No. You know? <laughs> just up know to how. your neck in just, it. Just chilling, you know, just chilling <laughs> in my anxiety. But I don't know. Part of it is probably because I just, I, I am just very anxious as a person. And so, and I'm not anxious. Like I'm, I'm not OCD anxious. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, I definitely overthink. And yeah. I think yeah. with ADHD, it's like you either think too much or you don't think enough. <laughs> there's only like, there's no in between. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, and you guys are both very creative people, you know, uh, maybe, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's a, a study that shows that creative people tend to have anxiety, but you know, you, oh, you think of new things. I have no idea, but there's actually something I, I'm seeing. Yeah, there, there actually is, there, there's a there are a few studies that have shown a correlation between uh, anxiety yeah. and uh, also depression and uh, artistic abilities, but nothing, nothing that I've seen that firmly states that, but there has been shown some correlation. I kind of yeah. wonder if it's like the whole chicken and egg thing, like which came first, the, you know, the art or oh. the anxiety? <laughs> like, do you, yeah. have, are you a good artist because you shut yourself away and, you know, the crayons and paper were your only therapy or like, yeah. or, you know, like that, why is, I don't know why that would, why it would work that way or does, or does it legitimately give you some kind of extra like ability to look at things or just a different perspective that people find it valuable. Um, it could be any of those things or all of them. Yeah. My dad, my dad actually also, he, I, I've said before in the podcast that my dad has ADHD and it's diagnosed. My sister also has ADHD, but my father, he's a software developer and he's been the head of very successful developing teams and huge companies like software companies. And so, um, but my dad always says that, like, you know, the, the having ADD kind of gives you this ability to see what, see outside of what other people can see. You see not just, like, the room, but you see all the, all the supports and the structures of the room and what could go outside of the room. And you just have an ability to look at the uh, any problem in a completely different way and um yeah. he said like that. Uh, the a majority of the people who worked for him had some kind of uh, uh, was on the uh, spectrum for autism or adhd so um and that fits neurospicy neurospicy <laughs> yes because exactly. they they tend to be able to problem solve in a different way and 
so but my dad also has anxiety and uh it's been a huge problem in his life and my dad okay like i'll share my my the personal story but my my father just recently he's had heart problems and so when i arrived here in mississippi which i'm still here um you know the when i was boarding the plane to get here my dad was admitted into the er with arrhythmia and when i was about eight years old when my dad was 36 years old he had his first heart attack and Mm. uh you know he it was a massive heart attack and the doctors were wondering why he was still alive and then uh years later i think like 14 years ago or uh, 13 years ago he had a quadruple bypass and uh so now he's having arrhythmias and he also has diabetes and stuff but like sometimes i wonder if some a lot of his issues with his heart and his heart problems are are from the anxiety that he lives Mm. with and so it kind of panics me and gives me a little bit of anxiety too because i'm like (laughs) i'm just like you oh no please heart please please heart please don't do that to me yeah so not helpful no yeah but i do i do wonder about that he does have diabetes which also helps break down your body uh quicker and in a lot of unfortunate ways but like i don't have diabetes whatsoever but i do sit there and wonder like do i live my life in a ball of stress is that good Mm -hmm. and Mm. is that bad (laughs) like because I feel like I don't function if I don't have stress. Yeah. Like, I need... Yeah, you like to have a full schedule. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it's like that gives me a, that gives me a sense of perfect purpose. It gives me a reason to wake up. It gives me like things to do. I want to just go, 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 go. And I'm so happy just getting tax tasks done throughout the day. Yeah, so see, I am complete opposite. I uh <laughs> If <laughs> the the only the only times that I am like really disciplined in my schedule are the, the weeks that I have the kids uh and otherwise I don't have a bedtime. I don't I just you know um I don't usually make a lot of plans cuz I just like to have an open schedule and see what happens or see how I feel, you know. I never really know how I'll feel on a certain night. So I'm horrible at making plans. <laughs> but that's just yeah. what my brain likes. Well, I mean, I guess if your brain likes that, then that's how it has to be. I kind of, I was originally much more in the same vein as Annette, where I had much more chronic anxiety that went along with my chronic depression. But the thing that forced me to change it was when I got diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome when I was like 30. So at that point, I started learning about it and realizing how bad for that condition stress is and it explained a lot of the unintentional rapid weight gain it explained a lot of the exhaustion um because pcos and adhd can both have an exhausting effect on people um so you know when you have both it's kind of a double whammy and then if you add in anxiety and the stress the bodily stress that goes along with it um you can like i can (laughs) If I get too wound up, I can really just make myself so super tired that I won't get around to doing stuff that I had wanted to do or planned to do because I'll just be too tired to do it. So I have to be a little bit more like Ellen so that I can have the the strength later to be more like Annette. (laughs) Yeah, see, I, uh, you know, I think it was Warren Zavon who said, you know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah, and I kind of I I kind of feel that. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm I'm definitely the kind of person who's like I'm so tired. I'm going to sleep really hard for about 5 or 6 hours and then I'm going to wake up and do it all again. Yay! Oh and, my man. gosh. Yeah. That has been me too on so many occasions. Um but I've had to re- reduce how many times I've done that. And I've always been so much the same, like, oh my gosh, I'll sleep when I'm in the coffin, you know, like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I can't, 
I can't afford to do it because like I might stay up for too long or like maybe I'll decide to pull an all nighter and get two hours of sleep. And then later in the day, I'll have a whole clump of my hair fall out. Um, <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's, that's not, not good. good. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's a subtle, it's, you know, just a subtle hint that my body gives me like, Hey, you know what? You're being an asshole right now and not giving me the sleep I need. <laughs> so <laughs> I wish I wish my body would tell me, hey, you're being an asshole, but it doesn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, if you start if you start losing clumps of hair or sprouting random beards, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yep. had to learn to be really kind to myself. And, uh, you know, when I went through the divorce uh, about a year and a half ago, that was that was. I experienced some anxiety throughout that whole process, of course. I mean, I think we all do, everyone who's gone through a divorce. But uh, ever since then, I just I just learned, you know, more about myself, more about what I need, the boundaries I need in my life. And I have far fewer friends than I did back then. But, um, you know, I, I've got better friends now, fewer but better. And I, I feel like I'm really living the life that I want and that works for me and my brain. And I love that. It's so empowering, you know, feeling like you have a little agency over your life. Yeah. And I'm just going to come in here with my mom voice because like, <laughs> Ellen got married really early. She was very young. I, on my <laughs> first marriage, I got married stupid young and Jen also got married stupid young and mm -hmm. <laughs> so all of us have been divorced and uh, I'm just going to put this out there that your prefrontal cortex, which it helps you make all of your rational decisions, that area of your brain doesn't fully develop until you're about 26 years old. So I don't know why people are getting married and having babies before they're 26 years old. And I'm just going to say that as an old fart now. <laughs> and an old fart that has studied psychology I'm like, I tell my kids, I'm like, wait till you're 26, wait till you're 26, because yeah. at least then you're in a better position. I'm not saying the perfect position, mm -hmm. but you are in a better mm -hmm. position to be making rational decisions about your life. For yeah. sure. I mean, I don't have any regrets in my life. You know, I feel like everything was a learning experience, but, you know, definitely could have saved myself some pain. <laughs> yeah. I'd wait until yeah. my brain grew up before I made major life decisions. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying is all. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fair. I'm I'm just glad that you've gotten to the to a point where you feel like you have better friends and more supported and, and that you're more supported and like I I kind of feel like I had to get into my own element with friend groups too because when you're younger you choose friends in a different way, I think. Like Totally. You you know, you might get stuck with a lot of them in class. If it's high school, if it's college, whatever, you're just kind of crammed together. And then you, you're all like, oh, come on, let's all go to the bar. And it's just, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of a seamless transition and it seems like a friendship, but some of those relationships that you make when you're younger can be really, really toxic and not good for conditions like depression or anxiety. Um, I remember having friends who would judge me based on like how much weight I had gained. And I had, I didn't know that I had an underlying health condition that would literally make me gain weight at the drop of a hat. So I took it extremely personally, but like I had friends judge me based on a lot of stuff. Like, why isn't your life together? Why are you always so disorganized? Why, you know, you seem smart. Why can't Oof. you get your life together? Why can't you get that raise? Why can't you get that job? Like, you know, and having people in my life that picked me apart like that, um, that wasn't good for my self-esteem, for my psyche, uh, for anxiety, my anxiety. It was terrible yeah. for my anxiety because I was constantly like, oh, my God, why can't I get that job? Am I stupid? Am I secretly not good enough for the job? Did I not study hard enough? Am I am I not like smart anymore? What is this? You know, so kind of gets you in this Ugh. weird. Yeah. So here's a life. Mm. Here's an anxiety <laughs> tip. Dump your toxic friends. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> just dump them. 
That's see now that's a thing. <laughs> you know, you, that's a thing. That is its own vibe, ladies and gentlemen, because you know, toxicity in your life, toxic relationships will lead to anxiety in even the most neurotypical people because you're constantly <laughs> being pushed under and like second guessing your your feelings and how you think about things and people will make toxic comments to you and you'll start questioning your own reality and that's anxiety producing. So yeah, if you're, if you have toxic friends, dump them. That's the best yeah. thing you can do Good. for your life. Take I don't have the trash. <laughs> yeah. I don't have time for toxic people in my life. No. I, just, I have no time no. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't have time to constantly apologize for who I am anymore. Like that's, you know, and, and unfortunately sometimes I do that anyway, because I'm just so conditioned at this point to apologize for, Oh, so sorry. I forgot that one thing. I'm sorry. I forgot this. I'm sorry. I didn't do that. But like, instead of just being truthful and being like, you know, it's maybe it's not a good brain day for me, you know? And you know, what, maybe, well, how much depression and anxiety could we kick to the curb if we were all just kind of honest like that with people who are saying, you didn't get this thing done that you promised me. And like, well, I am sorry that I disappointed you. It's just a bad brain day for me, you know? Well, like, and that's one of the, that's one of the suggestions, um, a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking, uh, when I, when I was doing, uh, my whole spouting about mental health and everything um one of one of the uh one of the suggestions for adhd uh you know coping with adhd and uh organization was to be honest about it yes yes Yes. tell people when you can i'm a huge fan of just radical acceptance of people for who they are you know like if you're if you're going to be friends with someone just love them for who they are accept them for flaws and all don't try to change them you know i will never try to change my friends if they ask me for help or advice i will give it to them but i i'm done trying to change people i would rather just you know love them the way they are and if there's things about them that i don't like then uh you know that's on me to to decide how to deal with that you know and there have been friendships that i have decided to end because uh just you know got to be too much but yeah. overall, I just I I feel like it, ugh, it just reeks of control when your friends are telling you that you should be different. You know, yeah. that's that's not supportive. That's not loving. That's not love. No, no, it isn't. When you truly mm-hmm. value somebody, when you actually love them, you know, in a platonic way or romantic way, you accept who they are at that moment in time you can see their flaws you can see who they are and you Mm -hmm. just like you you're happy with that you know you can say oh you know like maybe Annette's constantly squirreling okay well that's just adorable and I love that about her (laughs) like you know (laughs) exactly yes or if one of you is, uh, you know, if, if somebody's mad and they're freaking out, you know, you can remind yourself that's their anxiety talking and you can remind them that's not who you are. That's your anxiety, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I, I have this saying with everybody when I'm talking about um, relationships and, uh, you know, marriage and anything like that, I, I always say, look when somebody's talking to me about, yeah, well, he did this and he did this. And I'm like, did he do that when you met him? Because you mm-hmm. marry the person the way <laughs> they are. You don't marry a project. That's and right. if, you're, if you're marrying somebody as a project, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And it's going to, it's not going to end well for you. So yeah, yeah. 100%. You, have, you have to love people the way that they are and accept them that the way they they are even if some of those traits are so annoying and i know they're annoying because i my husband i love my husband my husband's the greatest person in the entire world to me but there's some things he does that are super 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 annoying 
And <laughs> if I could change that, if I could wave a wand, I probably would. But I'm not going to harass him about that because that's part of who he is. And I chose to love him mm -hmm. as a person. I didn't marry yeah. a project. Mm -hmm. that yeah. is so I love that you chose you choose to that is so true you choose to it love is. love is a choice it is yep it is every day it's every day you choice. make that choice mm -hmm. he left the toilet seat up I still love you <laughs> <laughs> or peed all over it one or the I'm other I'm not and I'm not I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to work on problems in relationships you know like no. I mean like, oh, and counseling, relationship counseling is just absolutely phenomenal. But, yes, you know, yeah. Highly recommended. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Totally. Unfortunately, um, I live in Japan. So the uh, the marriage counseling is me counseling us. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so funny. So, like, there's really not very much in the way of counseling in general there, is there? No. 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 Oh, that's so when people get anxiety, like clinical anxiety that needs to be treated over in Japan, what do they do? If it's really bad, they go to a doctor and the doctor gives them pills. Yeah. Okay. So they get medications, but not counseling or any kind of like. I mean, there are, is some counseling. Uh, mm -hmm. There is some counseling available. But it's few and far between, and it's not really. Um, how do you say? Is there uh, um, is there still kind of a stigma about counseling in Japan? Like a yeah. little bit of a stigma about mental health. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're somehow if you're suffering from mental health issues, you're somehow a little bit you know weaker than others. Oh, and, there's some uh, like morality attached to it. A little bit, but that's because Japanese people don't really share their problems. Like they're they're very closeted in their emotionally, um, yeah. so mm -hmm. it's not really socially acceptable for you to share your issues. Mm -hmm. So, like I, mm -hmm. for example, in my house, like if I have a scratchy throat or something, I'm not even catching a cold. Maybe it's just dry, but I'm like, mm, my throat hurts a little bit today. Everybody just assumes that I'm super sick and I'm complaining because otherwise they wouldn't say anything. So they only say oh, something if they feel like they're dying. And I'm, <laughs> oh, I'm wow. like, no. And they're, they're like, and so my mother-in-law, she looked at me one day and she was like, you're always sick. And I'm like, no, I haven't been sick for a long time. What are you talking about? And she's like, you're always saying like your head hurts or this, that, this. I'm like, well, yeah, the air pressure gives me a little bit of a headache. I'm just saying I have a headache. Like, I'm, you know, for an American, that's just kind of normal thing, right? But yeah. for them, they feel, they're, they're like, oh, God, she's always sick. Because oh, they don't talk wow. about Interesting. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really so, glad that in America, mental health has been just, it's been so much easier to talk about. I feel like the stigma getting... is kind of gone. It's getting yeah. better, but we need funding. We need funding to go into mm -hmm. mental health. We also need uh, funding to go into police departments to train police officers or get mental health professionals yes. into yeah. the police departments so that they can, uh, you know, so that people with mental health and crisis, mental health crisis training can go in and uh, help with a lot of the situations yeah. when it comes to people having, you know, like a mental breakdown or things like that, that shouldn't be answered by the police. You know, police can escort yeah. just, you know, as, as for, you know, obvious physical reasons, but you know, you really need a mental health professional because a lot of those things can be talked down and, you know, mm -hmm. police officers aren't trained to do that. And so, yeah. yes, mental, mental no, health is not. getting more attention in America, <clears throat> but we've still got some work to do oh 100 percent. yeah can you imagine how much better things would be if literally like half of all of the police departments out there train or were were comprised of trained um social workers yeah, like, yeah. oh my gosh like what would what would you even 
like that that would be some kind of like new world order where you could call the police <laughs> you know if you're feeling like maybe it's the end of the road for you and they you know somebody shows up and you know they're not even in uniform and <laughs> and they're just like hey let's let's have a chat are you want to have a donut with me like you know <laughs> yeah. or whatever <laughs> whatever it is here i brought you a starbucks or <laughs> yeah there definitely needs i mean awareness is good but there needs to be more resources yeah for real so as you can see we don't really have the answers for how to fix anxiety but it's no. great no. to talk about yeah i know this is this is really cathartic it is <laughs> um does it provide answers Mm. <laughs> I, but then again there's a lot of i mean even professionals scientists psychologists don't have all of the answers when it hello comes to... if i had the answer to anxiety i would fix uh-huh. exactly like <laughs> yep. Annette. she's you know a prime example has anxiety also has psycho psych- psychological education so like you know there are no hard and fast answers but what do you think are some what what are some of your go-to tips for when you are having some serious anxiety and you just need to control it and go on with your day me yes oh okay i thought you were asking <laughs> listeners or something i was like oh that's a nice no. question to add to the, the, to the call <laughs> uh, so how are they going to answer me um <laughs> Uh, Okay, so some of my tips for when I'm having anxiety, Uh, first thing to do is to identify that it's anxiety so that I'm, I'm making it logical in my head that that's what I'm experiencing. So I'm speaking truth to the situation. I'm not, you know, going with the fantasy of you know, where my, my anxiety is leading me, but I, I grounded and okay, I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm having anxiety right now. Um, If I'm in it, if I'm in an attack, I uh, do breathing techniques, you know, inhale through the nose for, you know, like a count of five and then exhale a count of seven about and, you know, just try to slow my breathing. And because that relaxes your central nervous system, which will help to reduce the symptoms of anxiety. Um, another thing that I will do is, uh, find something like, uh, a a smell that I like or something and just smell that and try to like breathe it all in and try to experience Mm -hmm. the whole smell. Again, that's something that calms your central nervous system. Um, another Mm -hmm. thing people can do is, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're, in an anxiety attack and you're athletic go for a run because running will your feet beating against the pavement it in a uh oh. in a beat it releases you know it, it relaxes your central nervous system again it also stimulates mm-hmm. uh endorphins and uh, which are the happy you know the happy chemicals in your brain and they will help to overcome a lot of that so um okay I guess those are my best go-to. I bet, uh, you know, some people would take a hit on a bong and see if that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some people. Some people. Yeah. Some, some people. Not pointing some. any fingers. Not pointing any fingers. Um, but I'm just going to sneak out because... of the frame for a second. And... <laughs> Both of you. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Just, just you have to be careful with that though, because and with alcohol, because you know some people it, that uh, marijuana or uh, alcohol will actually increase your symptoms of anxiety. So you do have to be, yeah. if you're having anxiety, a lot of the times you just have to be very aware of how you react to those substances and whether they relax you or they uh, stimulate you. So. Yeah, that's good. Yes. And to that effect, I can absolutely say that some strains of marijuana will cause, you know, panic attacks and anxiety. Like I have I have actually experienced a panic attack or anxiety, heightened anxiety because of a certain strain of marijuana that I shouldn't have had that I experimented with just to, you know, see if I could relax. 
Um, and for a long time, I, you know, wouldn't touch it because I thought that it was all like that. And then I had to learn about the different strains and the, you know, the different uh, terpenes and all of that, that, you know, cause it's just a very, it's, it's very complex. One, one bud is not equal to another butt <laughs> yeah so, that's so true i feel like most people not. most people will say indica indica strains will help them relax more while sativas are a little more anxiety producing they're more of the, the fun fun one well mm-hmm. ladies after we're done with our comorbidity series uh we should do a podcast oh podcast. sure could <laughs> we totally should and oh my gosh I wish that you didn't li- that you weren't visiting a dry state right now, Annette, so that you could <laughs> safely experiment. Don't, I know. I'm sorry. Don't rub it in. Don't rub it in. I'm very, very disappointed <laughs> that I came back to the in the, the wound. Yeah. Are you close to a border? <laughs> no, Louisiana. Damn it. Ooh. Oh, yeah, true. Okay. It is nice living in Illinois, a legal state. I do appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember when it got legalized in the Por- Portland metro area, and the cops were handing out Doritos at the f- big at the big celebration on the oh, waterfront. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Awesome. That's that's not gonna you know stimulate an anxiety attack for anyone who's high. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> munchies. Yep, here's cops hanging out, ha- handing out Doritos. <laughs> mm-hmm terrible oh my gosh um does anybody have any closing thoughts like because i know that we're kind of running out of time for this but is there anything that jumps out at anybody that they wanted to say about anxiety or you know well yeah I, experiences with it? I guess i guess if you have adhd just be aware that that is a very common uh thing to happen with adhd to have anxiety uh, as a comorbidity to uh, ADHD. So um, if you're experiencing anxiety, know that you're not alone. Do know that the symptoms, do know how you react to anxiety. Um, Again, I will stress the fact that if you're having uh, shortness of breath or any chest pain, just to be on the safe side, you should probably go see a doctor, you know, just make sure, uh, because especially if you're of an older age and, you know, life, life ain't pretty. And it's anxiety. (laughs) It's hard. It's anxiety inducing. And so the fact that we have anxiety with all this crazy stuff happening around us, I mean, who who wouldn't, (laughs) I mean, I don't understand the people yeah. who don't have anxiety. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. if, if, if that's your reality, just know that, you know, you're not alone. And, uh, you know, just, the, just because we don't have all the answers, there might be answers for you. Everybody experiences anxiety in different ways. And so experiment and see what helps you. Yeah, that's good. And I guess one closing note for me to kind of go along with that is that, you know, speaking of speaking of answers, if you are questioning whether you have anxiety and you're kind of listening to this going, you know what, I think, you know, I can relate to a lot of this. I think maybe I have anxiety. Well, you, it's possible that you could have anxiety because of ADHD, because of your symptoms, because they just, you know, produce an anxious kind of thing. And if that's the case, treating ADHD might actually be um, what helps resolve your anxiety symptoms. But there are quite a lot of people out there who have both disorders encapsulated unto themselves. And, you know, treating one will not necessarily get rid of the other. So you, it's important to talk with a mental health professional or doctor that you trust that um, can, you know, talk to you about having the combination, the ADHD and the anxiety, and then, you know, try to see. um, So far in a lot of articles I've read, it seems like professionals want to try to treat the ADHD first to see if the other comorbidities go away. (laughs) Um, And then if they do, 
hooray. And if not, they can start picking out like SNRIs or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. We're all on our own unique journeys and one what works for one person will not work for the next person. So you just yep. got to get to know yourself really well. And your brain chemistry. So yeah. Yes. <laughs> yep. We all just want to uh, be the best version of ourselves. True. Uh, so speaking of being the best versions of all of ourselves, I guess we have to like, you know, wrap it up and I don't know. <laughs> we do probably shouldn't talk all day. Something. <laughs> just but you know, you know, I don't know. Do do laundry op optimistically, like, hey, there's not that much. Um <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway. It's just thanks. five loads. That's not it's only it's nothing. It will it's it's but a flesh wound. Um <laughs> it's a flesh wound. Nice Monty Python <laughs> reference. Ah, thank you. Uh, but thank thank you to everybody who is listening. Um, if you have questions about mental health, don't hesitate to, you know, call a therapist and, and get the help and just, you know, start taking control of whatever it is that's bringing you down, whether it's depression, anxiety, ADHD, you know, just there are solutions out there. So... Don't be afraid to seek them, even if you think that there's a stigma attached to it in your local community. Just do it anyway and don't tell anyone. <laughs> yes, yeah, what other people think, you yeah, know, screw like those guys. You, you deserve to live your best life, your best anxiety free or, you know, less anxiety life. And so, you know, yeah, if that's possible for, for you. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> But thank you for listening to another episode of Basel Tov, The Courage and Creativity of ADHD. So, like always, good night and Basel Tov! Basel Tov! <laughs>